it out. Yeah. Anyway, so we got uh, this map of North America. Uh, we were talking about doing a map of the world, but I figure most of the things we talk about are kind of American centric. There's also <laughs> obviously some world stories in there as well. Yeah. But um, it really, I think most of it is about this area. And in my experience, this is kind of more interesting than all the other parts of the world. You got no argument for me, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other but there's some interesting. We could, we could cover this area yeah, as we, well. We've got some other players in here. We got like Canada up yeah. here, uh, and goofballs to the north. <laughs> And as I've always said, goofballs to the north and rascals to the south, Mexico. We are a perfect country sand- sandwiched between goofballs goofballs and rascals. Yep, we've done nothing wrong. Both lovable, big fan. Oh, yeah, big fan B- of big both. Big friends of the show. Um, but you got to admit. Then you have Greenland and Iceland. And, and of course, they, you, all, you know this, and everybody knows this, they're reversed. <laughs> Because <laughs> Iceland is green and Greenland is ice. Yeah. It, it must have been an opposite day when they named those. It was, no, it was one of the most notorious bait and switches <laughs> of all time. I don't know the exact story, but I think some guy, there was some explorer guy, and he goes, oh, you got to go to you gotta go to Greenland. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll take Iceland. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> he named them so to trick somebody else. And yeah. then somebody got to Greenland, looked around, and they had egg all over their face. <laughs> and they go, well, I'll be damned. I'm in the fucking... Yeah. This is Santa Claus's workshop well, up well, here. Well, boy's my face red. Do you think Santa Claus lives in Greenland? They say he's on the North Pole, but that's that's in the middle of the ocean up there. Well, that's why nobody has ever found him. Yeah, has anyone got to the North Pole before? I don't think anyone's ever made it up there. Except for jolly old Saint Nick. And his, well, right. Well, he lives there. And his beautiful wife. God, it would be fucking... Must be coldest of Dickens up there. I can't imagine. It has to be. I, it's cold here, and it's only forty degrees. Yeah, we're all the way down down yeah, there. So we are, yeah, around there. It, and it goes, gets one degree colder for every mile you go north. <laughs> That's the rule. <laughs> I don't make up the rules, but anyway, this is uh, the Echo Chamber Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in, or welcome to the show if this is your first time listening. This is the only podcast where two comedians read the Wall Street Journal because one of us gets it for free from work. That is correct, sir. That's true. And uh, we've got a few articles here we're going to be reading and kind of talking about today from the Wall Street Journal. And uh, Trent, what do you got? What are we going to hear about today? Well, today, Joe, uh, college kids, they, they, they don't know how to make small talk, so there's courses for that. <laughs> <laughs> there's courses for that. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of, of college kids, actually the youth... Um, this is from the personal journal. Mm. Somebody's watching you, and that's okay with teens who like okay. to be who like to be tracked by their parents. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> why would you have a problem? I, I, I see nothing wrong with <laughs> yeah, that. Why would you have a problem with that? <laughs> <laughs> We're also to be talking about uh, apparently IT workers. They've been sending funds to North Korea. Good. Good, good. <laughs> see nothing wrong with that. Uh, we're also going to talk about an off-duty pilot who was arrested after a mid-flight incident where he tried to cut power to the airplane. Oh, wow. And there's actually uh, some interesting details about this article that were not in the Wall Street Journal, but I've read online, and it is a much more interesting story than they have led you to believe. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. We're doing extra research, Joe. Oh, well, I'm going the extra mile for, for that's the podcast. What, that's what we all do. Uh, and finally... And my last story, uh, Katy Perry is in a... This is from the mansion section of the Wall Street Journal, which is only in <laughs> which there... Which is one of our favorite sections. Occasionally, yes. Uh, By the K- way, no other newspaper has a mansion section. <laughs> only the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Has a, some, some newspapers have like sports, politics, yeah. news, opinion... The Wall Street Journal has mansion section, <laughs> so I love these stories. Uh, Katy Perry, uh, she's in a terrible legal battle over a, a property she's trying to buy. My heart goes out to her. <laughs> that sounds like... I, I couldn't even the, imagine what that struggle would be. a lot of twists and turns in that. Well, people who are struggling almost ju- as much as Katy Perry is, but it's certainly not quite as much, yeah. uh, are librarians and libraries all over the country... Uh, who are at the front line of a U.S. mental health crisis? Again, oh, wow. <laughs> again, pales in comparison to Katie. <laughs> we, yeah, <laughs> doesn't even come close. Wow, we. Well, 
Should I start us off? Why don't you kick us off? What was that? Uh, well, where were we? We're starting. I'll tell you. Tell me all about it. Tell me all about <laughs> it. And this, and this is from the Wall Street Journal, correct? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's from okay. the Wall Street, yeah, Journal. Wall Street Journal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, headline. College courses teach young adults how to make small talk. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Professors stage simulated network ev- events for students to hone their chit-chat. For the small price of $200,000, you too <laughs> could learn how to be a human being. <laughs> Jana Matthews, a professor of medieval literature at Rollins College, checks the bathrooms to coax out students hiding from the big event in her job market boot camp class, a mixer with alumni, to practice professional networking. Wow. So kids are hiding in the bathroom to avoid even making eye contact with... <laughs> With other other human beings, for many, wow. these are college students, not not people in kindergarten. Right? No, <laughs> people in kindergarten, in my experience, have been much more outgoing. <laughs> well, that's before they're riddled with all, all the woes of the world. Yeah, they don't know any better. <laughs> right. They don't know the, what the fu- the hor- horrific <laughs> tales of the future. Are <laughs> they don't, be. They're not reading the, reading the Wall Street yeah. Journal every day. Yeah. <laughs> For many of her students, the face-to-face conversations with strangers are more nerve-wracking than decoding Chaucer. Grow a fucking pair of balls. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sydney Parmet had trouble sleeping the night before and considered skipping it. Quote, I kept overthinking what I was going to say and second-guessed whether I would say anything, said Parmet, who graduated in May from the Winter Park, Florida campus. Matthews recommends students try swiping deodorant on palms to avoid clammy handshakes. Now, this is a problem I have. I have sweaty hands. <laughs> not from nerves. I've just always had sweaty hands. It's probably... Well, you're a, also not a big small talk guy. I'm not a big small talk guy, but yeah, I... So, is the sweat... Do you think that is a factor into it, or is it separate? No, because there's sweaty right now, and I, I, <laughs> I can talk to you all day and all night. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, I can't wait to see where the conversation goes after the podcast. But, but everybody brings it up. I, I shake people's hands. They, they they look at me in disgust. Yeah, yeah. They got a weak handshake covered in sweat, clammy, yeah. white, pale, yeah. pasty. <laughs> those who, I could go on. <laughs> those who vomit from nerves should pop a breath mint. If the question, tell me about yourself, triggers temporary amnesia, Consult your prepared script, she says. Students practice moving from introductions to asking about the other person to giving their elevator pitch that covers their interest, work, experience, and skills. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Barmet said she was awkward when she entered the room until another student pulled her into conversation and she explained her dream job, her dream of finding a job for a nonprofit. She now works for a group that aids homeless families and those at risk of becoming homeless. So uh, I'm sorry. So she can't talk to her fellow college classmates, but she her dream is to go talk to homeless people. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you can't get through small talk with with a normal, well-adjusted person, yeah, how are you going to talk to Stinky Pete? <laughs> uh, yeah, Miss Debbie. <laughs> Don't look at me, Stinky Pete. Yeah, homeless people are notorious for being good at making conversation. Well, they will. They will certainly start the conversation. They I'll will. Tell. I one time when I first moved here, like a couple of weeks in, I was living on the Upper West Side mm. of Manhattan, mm. <laughs> and uh, so right, 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 right about yeah. there on the map. Well, there's really no way of knowing. But but and I was walking by, and there's a homeless guy that always stood out uh, in front of my apartment. And one time, he told me to do some push-ups. <laughs> What, did you shake his hand first, or what? <laughs> what, what prompted him to say that? No, I was just walking by, and he clocked me as being a weak so young he said, boy. Yeah, he said, do some push-ups. Did you say, get a job? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, okay, mister, I will. <laughs> That's good. That's small talk 101. Agree. That's improv small talk 101. Always yeah. agree. And cower. Yes, and everybody seems to have a theory about why... Many young adults have trouble with so-called soft skills, which include the art of persuasion and civil conversation. <laughs> well, I think the youth of America should read read a, a great book. It's called The Art of the Deal. 
<laughs> but former U.S. president, who I won't go to the trouble of naming. Yeah, 45. Quite the, quite the convincer. Quite the small talk. <laughs> blame, oh, good. Blame good, smartphone good, addiction. Goddamn COVID phone. cooning or helicopter parenting. <laughs> Hold on, we gotta we gotta let the fucking. Oh, uh, you know what? I forgot. I ordered Uber Eats. I didn't get any food. I just wanted someone to come and, and <laughs> ring the phone. Good. Someone to come and ring the doorbell. All right, we'll just cut that. I think we should leave it. I like it. All right. Well, blame smartphone addiction, COVID cocooning, or helicopter parenting, and we've covered that many times. Regardless of a cause, a growing number of college professors in various disciplines around the U.S. are trying to keep professional chit-chat from becoming a lost language, like that of Latin. I don't know what happened to these fucking kids, and I—it's not their fault, I don't think, but I, I do pity them. But it's—it's it's got to be the technology. But you know, like twenty-five years ago, when like Men in Black came out, it's—it's <laughs> it's like the concept is like, look at these people—they're pretending to be humans, but there's something off about them, you yeah. know. So you could tell that they're aliens. Yeah. yeah but now you have no idea. You just go, oh, that's—I don't know. I could just be a homeschooled kid. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Aliens are probably have the easiest time slipping into society. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Smart. It's a, it's, I am bad at small talk. <laughs> I am bad at chit-chat. I, it's an amal- I think it's an amalgamation of things, Joe. Uh, it's probably smartphone edition, COVID cocooning. <laughs> helicopter, parent. <laughs> helicopter parenting. Well, Trent, that is cutting analysis. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's probably not their fault, but it's also, it's still irritating. If my son, Even if it's not their fault. If my son came back for Thanksgiving, his freshman year in college, and I go, how's school going, son? And he goes... He's obviously not looking at me. And he's yeah. looking at the plate, and he goes, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm in an elective to learn how to chit-chat. I would know that I'd failed as a father. If my son is taking a class yeah. to learn how to chit-chat, <laughs> what the fuck are we paying $200,000? You know what will teach you how to chit-chat? Yeah. Drop out of school. Go get a job at fucking Wendy's, dude. You'll learn how to <laughs> chit-chat real fast. You will cut your teeth. You can't learn how to make small talk in an academic environment with an old professor telling you how to make small talk. Remember your script, kids. Remember yeah. your script. No, drop out of school, save the money, you're gonna need it, it sounds like, <laughs> and go go work in the food industry. You'll learn how to fucking chit-chat really fast. Yeah. Well, Claire Ralph, a Caltech computer science lecturer, said when she started at the campus in 2016, she was surprised that a fifth of her students had spent five months looking for a job, not even getting interviews. She asked to see copies of their cover letters. One began... Quote, hey, what's up, y'all? The student explained that someone said a cover letter should be friendly. (laughs) (laughs) So... What? What's this spelled with Z's? Yeah. What's up? What's up? Like, <laughs> like, like, what's like, up? Yeah, like, I'm, like you're in the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> like that Bud, uh, Budweiser ad. You remember that one? No, which one is that? They say, what's up? <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. How could I forget? No, sorry. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Budweiser. Got yeah, it. yeah. It could have been Bud Light or one of the. Uh, hey, what's up? Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, this cover that, letter has not produced success for them. No, no responses from that cover letter. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Fluff it up a little bit and it'll get there. Yeah, it sounds like it's almost there. She talked about students' shortcomings, communication shortcomings with colleagues. Everyone came to the same conclusion. Quote, it was a hole people knew existed, she said, but didn't know how to plug. <laughs> didn't know how to plug, huh? Uh-uh. And players see it, even if students don't. When college seniors were asked to rate their communication, nearly 80% responded, quote, very slash extremely proficient. <laughs> only, 54, <laughs> only 54% of employers agreed, according to the <laughs> 2022 survey by the National Associ- uh, Association of Colleges and Employers. So this is also part of the problem. Okay. Is... Kids have never been told that they've done anything wrong. <laughs> yes, they've always been said, right. "Oh, you're great. Yeah, this you're is the greatest <laughs> thing. You're the greatest. You're God's gift to earth." Yeah, you've got and they go overconfidence. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Which I, yeah, I have the exact opposite. What meaning? Your experience is the exact opposite. 
I I know I'm bad at small talk. I'm not delusional. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's no secret. Right, right. I, I'm uh, I'm uh, self-aware enough to. Yeah, you're right. Right. So, <laughs> Rachel Tour, a creative writing professor at Eastern Washington University in Cheney, Washington, asked students as an exercise to write a cover letter explaining why she should accept them into her class. The assignment, she said, revealed another problem. A painfully self-absorbed point of view. (laughs) 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 Among her examples was, this is what uh, one of her students wrote. I want to take this class because I am a poet and I need to get a class out of my genre. I am a good writer and have done well in my creative writing courses. I'm a great applicant, and this will get me what I want. <laughs> You're a good writer, huh? <laughs> this is a compelling, compelling case so far. She asked for a volunteer to share their letter with the class. Which so she, give me what I want. Which further stirred her... I won't take no for an answer. <laughs> which further stirred her despair. Since the students seemed to all write in similar fashion, most had no criticisms. <laughs> <laughs> a cover letter she told the class was supposed to make was quote supposed to make people fall in love with you in the job market that means explaining how the company will benefit she said not the applicant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> David S Salisbury from the famous steak family <laughs> really no uh, <laughs> does much of his academic research who grew up in steak fortune <laughs> never had to lift a finger <laughs> he does most of his academic research in remote parts of the amazon i don't think it's on yeah, we're just creeping into yeah. it, the bottom corner uh where he lives among indigenous people and communicates in spanish and portuguese with tribe members who know the languages he faces bigger hurdles on campus. <laughs> Quote, students are inter- crazy. Students' interpersonal skills are not as sharp as they used to be, said Salisbury, the professor of geography, environment, and sustainability. Professor of cheap steaks. <laughs> at the University of Richmond in Richmond, Virginia. Salisbury stops class when a student doesn't refer to a peer by name. If a student says, I really enjoyed Brian's idea, but I think this might be something to add, I say... I love how you mentioned Brian's name, he said. <laughs> Last year, he joined students alumni at a, and an alumni at a cocktail party ahead of a conference aimed at helping students network with younger professionals. At the event, he helped in- introduce shy students to alumni. Quote, some of us were freaking out because we didn't know how to respond, said Jeff Sai, a sophomore biology major. Quote, he supported me in striking up a conversation. <laughs> wow. The cover letter thing's hilarious because I feel like the other stuff, I feel like we know that they're bad at communicating. Yeah. We know that they're riddled with anxiety. Yeah. And we also know that, that they're self-absorbed. <laughs> this just sounds so hateful, but <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. The cover letter is insane. That, that, that That's would so be... crazy to be like, uh, I'll use... I'll, I'll use the money to buy the things I want. The money you'll give me from the job. <laughs> I'm good. And, I'm good. And I've never heard anybody say the opposite. <laughs> so it, it has to be true. <laughs> it must be me. Anyway, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, well, the Trent, speaking of, uh, of the young people mm. of America yes, yes. and their anxiety problems mm-hmm. that can sort of manifest in different ways, well, this is an article from the Personal Journal, of sure. the Wall Street Journal. Uh, headlines, somebody's, somebody's watching you. Mm. And that's okay with teens who want their parents to track their phones and monitor their every move. Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, when I was a teenager... Uh, I would fucking lose my mind over the concept of my mom knowing where I was at all time. Yeah, that's that would be insane to me. And I do think that this probably swings a little more towards girls. Probably like this. Girls, girls, girls. Girl- <laughs> Somebody tell Motley Crue. <laughs> oh. Who he's on today, baby. <laughs> uh, let's jump right in. Teenagers have long balked at telling parents where they are. 
yes. and that was that's been my experience. Yes. Now they're asking their parents to track them. Every generation experiences a set of traumas, but social media and real-time <laughs> news with vivid images of the pandemic, war, and other disasters have heightened these anxieties among young people. And lots of them are closer to their parents than previous generations have been. Ugh. Members of Gen Z, <laughs> mom, what's going on out there? <laughs> Members of Gen Z ages 11 to 26 say they use family location sharing apps to bolster a sense of security. Downloads of the app Life360 doubled in the U.S. since 2021. The app now has more than 33 million and other and another 20 million internationally. Even more teens share their location using Apple's Find My, Find My, Google's Family Link, Snapchat, SnapMap, and GPS-equipped smartwatches. Emery uh, Liddig's Emery Liddig's biggest fear uh-huh. is being abducted. This is a, <laughs> this is a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is like. Uh, that's never gonna uh, I shouldn't say never but the likelihood of that happening is slim to none to, to let a fear of of that control your life is no way to go through life yeah her fear biggest fear is being kidnapped because a 10 year old girl in her hometown of Davenport Iowa was kidnapped and murdered by a relative oh by a relative of, of the victim in July 2020 it took eight months to find her body news coverage of the case was constant and left Emory shaken Quote, if something happened to me, I think it would be useful for my parents to know my last location. <laughs> my last location, she says. <laughs> yeah, Emery sure. also relies on Life360 when she goes to parties. Mm. During freshman year, she was at a party where teens, and this is kind of unbelievable mm. to me, teens were g- drinking and a boy was hitting on her. Oh, wow. She texted her parents to pick her up. What? <laughs> She didn't have to ask anyone for the address because her parents could see where she was on the app. Wow. Quote, they were there in less than 20 minutes. Wow. She said, crisis averted. (laughs) (laughs) Any teenager's nightmare going to a party with drinking drinking and getting flirted with. Chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) Get me out of here, mom. Put me back in the crib. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, Trent. Youth mental health has reached crisis level. No shit. According to the U.S. Surgeon General, modern parenting, with its emphasis on coddling and its lack of unstructured playtime, can also contribute to kids' anxiety, says Michelle Borba, an education psychologist who has written several books about kids and parenting and is a spokeswoman for Life360. What is unstructured playtime? I read a different article about unstructured playtime that never made the cut, Mm -hmm. and I'm... It's actually really interesting. So unstructured playtime was something that was pivotal to every child's development since the dawn of time. <laughs> because basically, your dad would be reading the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. And you go, Dad, let's play. You got to just go fuck off, play with blocks over there. Yeah. And then you'd go do that, and you'd base, or you'd go outside and play yeah. for hours. And I can't imagine. The concept that. is playing yeah. without... Yeah. A parental structure. Sure. But you just na- go out to you look, just, well, the just street lights come let on. Let them play. Play should be self-directed. Yeah. Always. Yeah. If it's not self-directed, it's not play. You're following orders and you're living in a... In a, a dictatorship. In a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah. And then soon you become very... You get Stockholm Syndrome, and you go, get me out of this party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, yeah. I don't like all the unstructured play happening at this party. See, I've never even thought about structured play time. Well, that's all there is now, because parents go, we will take them to soccer practice. Yeah, it's we'll all, pick them up. We'll t- there's no free time. It's all, you got to go to soccer practice, then you got to uh, oboe practice. <laughs> 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 and then, and then you got the recital. You got the recital. Yeah, <laughs> you got to pick up trash. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to the highway. Seven a.m. Yeah. Because you got to go to college, and then you got to take classes on go how to, to learn how to make small talk. <laughs> it's a fucking cycle. We got to follow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're and doing this so you can make good grades. And then you'll the never best college. <laughs> Harvard has an amazing class on yeah. how to look someone in the eye. And then you'll look, you'll write a cover letter and you say, I'm great. I've always been great. I went to elbow practice. I <laughs> uh, never missed a day. I never missed a, a day. And I'll be a good uh, alcohol salesman. <laughs> <laughs> and you can track my every movement. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't say no. These kids have been helicoptered, snow plowed, and bubble wrapped. Not really sure what snow plowed means. 
And JCB cut sounds kind of sexual. It's yeah, kind of it weird. And just because a parent knows where their children are, it doesn't mean they can protect them from harm. Now, that's... No, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. At best, parents have an easier way to locate kids or even get them uh, more quickly after something happens. Uh, it also doesn't give kids confidence to take more risks, for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, real risk takers aren't seeking this level of parental oversight and can turn off their location or temporarily leave their phones behind if they want to evade supervision. Yeah. They're known as bad boys. They're called fucking rebels. <laughs> and, and there was about five of them in a little band called the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> the mommies weren't tracking them, honey. Tracking kids does have a benefit for anxious kids, though. It offers psychological comfort or feeling connected, says Pamela Rutledge, director of the Media Psychology Research Center, an independent research organization. Quote, when you feel safer, you can relax and have a better time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like 20 years ago, this happened is nobody is allowed to feel uncomfortable anymore. Exactly. If there's a moment of anxiety or discomfort, we go, we'll smooth that over. Yeah. We'll take you to oboe practice. We'll, we'll pick up some trash. We'll put on the Barney theme song. We'll do anything. We have undedicated attention. I'll call yeah. into work. We'll change everything to, f- to fit you. If, if you felt uncomfortable back in the day, uh, the solution was, why don't you mow the lawn? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So. And then you realize how comfortable you really were. Before you were mowing the lawn and weeding in the yard. Yeah. You go, man, I would actually like to get back to not doing chores. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but now kids kids wouldn't be allowed to mow the lawn because of the blades. (laughs) It's a very dangerous job. And everyone's allergic to grass, so you can't be close (laughs) to grass. Blades, and they're allergic to grass. This is the leading leading killer of kids. Well, that's fascinating, Joe. Um this is from the Wall Street Journal. Oh, okay. Yeah. IT workers sent North Korea funds. <laughs> Thousands of information technology workers contracting with U.S. companies have for years secretly sent millions what? of dollars of their wages to North Korea. For I, you- I've never trusted an IT guy. <laughs> I've never trusted one. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And <laughs> yeah. I, for good reason, apparently. They, well, I said you're a commie, aren't you? <laughs> they've spent, they've sent millions of dollars of their wages to North Korea for use in its ballistic missile program. What? The FBI this and Justice Department story. officials said. Well, here. The Justice Department said IT workers dispatched and contracted by North Korea to work remotely with companies in St. Louis and elsewhere have been using false identities <laughs> to get jobs. So, like, they're remote workers. Yeah. And they're using fake names and stuff. They're, they're, and then they're sending... They're North Koreans, and then they're sending money to Kim Jong-un. Okay, so Kim Jong-un says, go become IT workers for like kind of any kind of company. Yeah. And then... You're just going to make a salary and then send some of it back to North Korea? <laughs> yeah, for their ballistic like, missile program. <laughs> that seems like the most harebrained... <laughs> well, like, it's covert, working. Covert scheme. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> it's working, baby. <laughs> wow. So these guys are writing cover letters. They're going, what's up? Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> this is why they can easily get jobs, because these kids, they don't know how to get them. Yeah. So they you know good small talk? North Koreans, North baby. Koreans. Yeah. And they've never when you don't know if they've gonna, never been told they're great. <laughs> no, they said they've been told shut up and it, then stay well, in line. Don't ask questions. Yeah, so that's how they're getting these IT jobs. You know, when you don't know if you're gonna be go hungry every night, mm-hmm. small talk becomes quickly irrelevant, <laughs> yeah. and suddenly you could do something you never thought you could before. <laughs> Federal authorities announced the seizure Wednesday of $1.5 million in 17 domain names as part of the investigation, which is ongoing. Hmm. Jay Greenberg, special agent in charge of the St. Louis FBI office, said... I love how they all went to St. Louis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of weird. Said any company that hired freelance IT workers, quote, more than likely hired hired someone participating in the scheme. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And if my IT guy at my job is doing that. Well, you'll have to ask him. God, he seems like a proud American, though. But go ahead. That's how they get you. I know. An FBI spokesman said Thursday that the North Koreans 
contracted with companies in the U.S. and other countries. So it's happening all over. And it's likely that it's the, <laughs> any IT guy is doing it. <laughs> wow. So you're saying nine out of ten IT guys are sending a small portion of their paycheck back to the ballistic missile program yeah. in North Korea. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. So there's there's been lots of different campaigns, espionage campaigns and things like that in the history of the United States. Mm. Most recently, Russia interfering with the 2016 election yeah. uh, over the, well, you know, over the course of years and, and doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in World War II, you had spies getting into the government, finding out secrets. Uh, but never before has someone said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> Go to the country, write a cover letter, get an IT job at uh, you know Russell Stover's. Where what, what companies are based in St. Louis? <laughs> Go to Emo's um, Pizza. Yeah, pizza. The, the, there's a there's a alcohol. Anheuser Busch. Anheuser Busch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, go go to Imbev. <laughs> yeah, and uh, join the IT team. All right, now you're gonna send. You want to opt in for healthcare? That's smart. <laughs> yeah. That's about that's about forty dollars a pay period. Yeah. I want you to send another $40 back to us. <laughs> also, $1.5 really kind of nothing in terms of a ballistic missile but, program budget. What does well, that get you? Like that, one we missile? Don't, there's, we don't know what that is in North Korea money. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know what North Korea money is. No, we don't. <laughs> I'm not sure that there is money there. I think you just send back the money and they, yeah, I don't know. It all goes to Kim Jong-un. Hmm. Uh, yeah, we. I, That's what so is funny, the, Kim Jong Un. I have many IT people in the U.S. <laughs> what is the North Korean currency? Uh, <laughs> corn. I don't know. Rice. We no, have that's, Dennis Rodman. Out. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, is he an ambassador or is he a spy? He's sort of a Severus Snape. Which side is he on? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Does he? I, I love Dennis Rodman. I, you know, I love him too. He used to be a basketball star, but I think mm-hmm. it might behoove us to ask ourselves now: What is he currently doing? Yeah. Is he perhaps in the IT department somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a guy like Dennis Rodman, he'd, he'd probably be good with computers. Mm-hmm. He probably looked at this scheme and thought, "That's a slam dunk." <laughs> oh, there you go. Well. Wow, that's a fascinating story. Yeah. It's um, you know what else is a fascinating story? And this is from the Wall Street Journal. Go on. You're not going to believe this. An off-duty pilot is arrested after a mid-flight incident. An off-duty pilot... You can't trust anybody anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I freak out every time I get on an airplane. I think something, something's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, something almost did happen if you're flying Alaska Airlines. Uh. An off-duty Alaska Airlines pilot riding in a cockpit, jump seat... On a regional flight, was a res- he was just catching a ride from one place to another. Yeah. <laughs> but he's riding up there in the cockpit with the pilots. Well, he was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder after he allegedly tried to disable the aircraft's engines during a flight. Jesus. Alaska Flight 2059, operated by Horizon Air, was diverted Sunday evening to Portland, Oregon, after an off-duty pilot unsuccessfully attempted to disrupt operation of the engines. Uh, the Horizon captain and first officer quickly responded, secured the plane, and the engine power wasn't lost. Portland Airport office, uh, police arrested Joseph D. Emerson without incident once the flight landed, according to spokeswoman for the Port of Portland. The Federal Aviation Administration urged carriers and flight crews to remain vigilant in a security message sent Monday and said the incident was, quote, not connected in any way, shape, or form to current world events. It's not a politically motivated... A federal law enforcement official said the case appeared to be an isolated incident unrelated to terrorism. This guy, pay no heed. This guy is just your regular run-of-the-mill asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Emerson was booked in a local jail on 83 counts of attempted murder, as well as charges of reckless endangerment, endangering an aircraft, according to these are pretty bad charges. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound good. So you might be thinking, okay, well, it's not politically motivated. It's not an act of terrorism. Mm, what how is they, it? How do they know that? What is it? Well, they don't say in this article. Okay, but you did more research. I did a little digging. You did a little digging. I did it for the which podcast. Which they don't do in the Wall Street Journal. They don't. They don't like to dig. But we're a little different. Yeah, we take what they start and we yeah. go. We go the extra mile, yeah. Trent. Now, what happened? And this is all going to be paraphrased because I don't. Can have... I make a guess? Sure. Is it uh, a, a jilted lover? I don't think so, no. Oh. No, no, no. Okay. Um, 
what happened was 48 hours before he caught this mm. f- flight, he took psychedelic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> the, okay. um, the amount is undisclosed. <laughs> okay. And he'd been struggling with depression. And, sure. and so he took some mushrooms. But since the mushrooms, he's been awake for 48 hours. Good God. He's not high on mushrooms any, anymore, but it's safe to say he's in a brain. volatile mental state. Yeah, it broke his brain. He was having a, a nervous breakdown of sorts. What they and, call a bad trip. And, and he didn't know... Apparently, there's a quote from him. He didn't know if he was dreaming or not. Oh, my God. So to try to jolt himself awake, he'd been trying to do things to wake him himself up. <laughs> to try to jolt himself awake, he tried to cut the engines to the aircraft to see if that might wake him up. Jesus Christ. And, and I, think it, I think the charges uh, might have been a bit of a wake-up for him. He got a rude awakening. He <laughs> <laughs> it for a rude awakening. <laughs> wow. So if you're an off-duty pilot... Maybe do those shrooms 72 hours before your next <laughs> flight, not 48. That's crazy. Yeah. So he was... But Dwayne, he was Dwayne's got a bit about it. Dwayne Cole in front of the show, welcome anytime. About this specific incident? Yeah, and the guy. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he's just been working a bit out about it. Wow, Dwayne Cole in front of the show, welcome anytime. Great show down the street, Sunnyside Comedy, happening tonight. Oh, is it? Yeah, anyway. Wow. But... Um, uh, fascinating uh story. so he was but he was aware enough that to know that he needed to, to get on a flight to go to another place yeah, i think but you know when you, you he was like maybe just walking through felt his life in a dreamlike state mm. didn't know what was real mm. he said i think he said i'm not okay and then pulled the thing <laughs> those were his words yeah was, i'm not okay and but it, nothing happened the other pilots were there to 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 yeah, I think they turned it back on. And they were like, hey, hey, knock it off. <laughs> what are you doing, you weirdo? They go, once this plane lands, you're in big trouble, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, they took him to the back of the plane and apprehended him. Oh, uh, they, they hogtied him. They hogtied his ass. Uh, wow. Damn. That's crazy. But it, it is nothing to what Katy Perry is dealing with. Nothing that we have talked about so far. And by the way, nothing that's <laughs> ever happened to anyone in the world compared to Katy yes, Perry's it all, struggle. It all pales in comparison. <laughs> this is from the Wall Street Journal. This is from the mansion section. <laughs> in Headline, inside Katy Perry's battle over a California estate. God. The pop star thing. scored a victory over Carl Westcott, the wealthy 84-year-old who says he was mentally incapacitated when he sold. <laughs> was he an off-duty pilot <laughs> <laughs> he just well 72 hours before this he took mushrooms yeah yeah um, he was just trying to wake up yeah quote i know a place where the grass is really greener sings pop star Katy perry in her 2010 hit california girls we all know that tune on no on a november morning in perry's hometown of santa barbara california that seemed to be the case on a gated estate spanning more than two acres in the coveted enclave of Montecito, the only sound was the gurgling of fountains. The spacious circa 1930 house was backed by green mountains and the Pacific Ocean and Channel Islands. Could really, be seen really through painting a, a picture in this gap one. in the towering hedges. They are painting a picture. Well, this is the mansion section. <laughs> we don't just dive into the story in the mansion section. You gotta, you gotta envision this beautiful. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna close my eyes. Estate. It sounds fucking gorgeous. It is. There's a picture. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. That looks nice. It looks nice. Yeah. Well, for the past three years, the secluded fifteen million dollar estate has stood at the center of a legal battle. As two wealthy and powerful people fight for the right to party, to live on the property. (laughs) (laughs) Right. At a time when homes for sale and sought after areas such as Montecito are scarce, Perry, the songstress and American Idol judge who recently sold the rights to a music catalog, is seeking to wrest the property from Carl Westcott, the 84-year-old car dealership and communications business mogul. In July 2020, Westcott signed a contract to sell the home for $15 million to uh, Perry's business manager, who is acting on her behalf. Mm-hmm. A few days later, Westcott informed Perry's team that he didn't want to sell. Both sides sued, with Westcott claiming the contract is invalid because he was mentally incapacitated by degenerative illness Huntington's disease. <laughs> 
And by the pain pills, he was taking after a back surgery. So it's kind of like my, he was on mushrooms. He was on pain pills. Right, right. Now, is that a real thing legally? Can you get out of a contract if you were like... Well, this is what the article is about. It didn't work for Roseanne Barr. <laughs> she made that tweet. She said, I was on painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't undo that. No, that, but that was a little different. That was entertainment-based. That was... Uh, sure, sure. They had other people involved. Now, this... If Katie... Quote... This is a quote. If Katie Perry had one ounce of compassion for the mentally disabled... <laughs> We would not be here. <laughs> Said Westcott's 45-year-old son, Court, who now mentally manages disabled. the family business. Compassion for the mentally disabled. First of all, she kissed a girl and she liked it. <laughs> and that's not mentally disabled. I, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, no one in the right mind. Anyway, uh, she should have all the compassion in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Perry's legal team maintains those claims are false and that Westcott simply changed his mind after failing to find a suitable replacement home in Montecito's tight market. That's a tight market. They have, God, it's a tight market. They have, just, they have demanded that Westcott hand over the property, suing for $3.21 million in damages. Mm. Westcott's son, Chart, this is a different son from his other son, Court, Charge in court, Westcott. They probably are good guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, he's a lawyer, 38-year-old lawyer and private investor. He wrote an op-ed in the conservative online publication, The Federalist, proposing <laughs> legislation he calls the Perry Act. <laughs> Perry stands for Protecting Elder Realty for Retirement Years. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's sharpen these, cadet, these fucking cleavers here. The act endorsed by local lawmakers in a handful of states, according to a website dedicated to the proposal. That is so petty. <laughs> would it, no, it's not petty. It's, it's Perry. Perry. <laughs> would apply to home sales involving anyone age 75 or, or over and institute a 72-hour cool-down period. <laughs> <laughs> allowing either party to back out of a contract without penalty. It's not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea. Quote, when a buyer is anticipating buying a property during the process, they're visualizing themselves in the home, <laughs> said Montecito real estate agent Harry Kolb. Quote, it becomes pretty emotional. <laughs> Still, he said, it is an unusual and costly for a property dispute of this type to make it a trial. Quote, most people would decide it's not worth the fight, he added. Uh, Perry and Westcott are not most people. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> a lot of dog in those, a lot of fight in those dogs. Yeah. Dog in those fights. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, listen, I took shrooms <laughs> 48 hours ago. I would like three days <laughs> To decide if what you I just said to turn is, worth, is, turn worth, the is worth staying in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think too much to ask. Perry, 39, grew up as the daughter of traveling Pentecostal ministers. In their strict Christian household, Perry was allowed to listen only to Christian music, according to the documentary Katy Perry, A Part of Me. Often lighthearted, Perry's music also veered into darker territory. <laughs> During a performance of her song Dark Horse at the 2014 Grammys in Los Angeles, she appeared inside a crystal ball wearing a hooded cloak, then gyrated on a witch's broom. What, what, is, what does any of that have to do with this? Well, story? I'll tell you. Okay. She tried to buy uh, a... She tried to pay $14 million for a nun's convent. Oh, my God. And... The archdiocese sold it to her, but the nuns, they, they didn't like that. <laughs> Quote, I didn't want her on our, our property, said Sister Rita Callanan of the California Institute of the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's kind of a long name. Uh, and the archdiocese, if anyone could use the Perry Clause. <laughs> but no, they go, no, we were of sound mind. Yeah. When the sisters signed the deed over to entrepreneur Dana Hollister for $15.5 a legal dispute, dispute ensued. 
2016, a judge ruled the archdiocese, not the nuns, had the right to sell, declaring the sale of Hollister invalid and ordering her to pay Perry and the archdiocese $15 million in damages and legal fees. Jesus. In 2018, the saga ended when 89-year-old sister Catherine Rose Holzman collapsed and died in court oh during a hearing in Hollister's bankruptcy <laughs> proceeding. Perry ended up not buying the property, which remains vacant. <laughs> Jesus. So she's got a scorched earth policy with these places. She's dropping nuns like yeah, flies. She's got she's, a nun's blood on her hands. She's got a nun's blood. She's got an old, dis- disabled, confused, dementia riddled guy with John Hopkins lymphoma disease, it, or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. It, uh, and she goes, Give me the house. I believe Give it's, me the nunnery. Yeah. Huntington's, Huntington's disease. disease. Well, this it gets even wilder, Joe. My- God. Like Perry, Westcott is entirely self-made. Born without without outdoor plumbing in Vicksburg, Mississippi, he had a rough childhood, court said. So he's not going to fucking fold like one of those old nuns is. <laughs> he's not going to collapse in court. He's a, he's a fighter. Well, hold on. He's got some fight. Hold he's got on. some dog in that fight. He, he better not count his chickens just yet. Uh... After a stint in the army, he went to work for a car dealership, eventually acquiring 17 dealerships, which is a thing that would never could never happen now. But in the old days, you yeah. you buy one car dealership. Oh yeah, you, you yeah you, you get a job. The money. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, the Dallas-based entrepreneur went on to found multiple companies, including the media company Westcott Communications, which he sold to KKR subsidiary in 1996 for 422 million dollars. Around 2015, Court said his father's personality began to change. Westcott had been sober since the 1980s, but that was no longer the case. (laughs) Oh, my God! Quote, he went from being in bed at 10 p.m. and being sober to trying to rent a helicopter to go to (laughs) the electronic dance music festival EDC Las Vegas with people he just met. His parents divorced after decades of marriage. People he just met like a like a pilot from Alaska Airlines. <laughs> his parents divorced after decades of marriage, and his father moved in with his then-girlfriend, Adelina Radeva. Ah, beauty. Beauty. Who was about 50 years younger than Westcott. A true beauty. <laughs> quote, <laughs> quote, there are drugs, there are women. Westcott's attorney, Andrew Thomas, said in court, the Westcott's attribute the changes... To Huntington's disease, a degenerative neurological disorder that can affect behavior, emotion, cognition, and personality. Perry's team argued in court, however, that Westcott's medical records are unclear as to whether he actually had symptoms of the disease at the time. So they call it Huntington's disease. I call it being a cool guy. I'm sorry, if, if my disease results in Adelina being around, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not a big problem. My, my girlfriend, who's 50 years younger than me, uh, Adelina Rivera. Uh, this is the name of a tin. <laughs> a perfect tin. Yeah. Westcott then asked his, uh, he asked his broker and friend, Crystal Clark, to help him find a replacement home after he sold the thing to uh, Perry. Uh, touring several properties with Radeva. Oh, beauty. She goes, Beautiful. nothing compares Mia more, Mia more, Radeva. Mia more. Uh, but the couple was... It's not good enough. I want the old place. <laughs> <laughs> the couple was disappointed by the houses they saw. Radeva testified. On July 22nd, Westcott informed Perry's team that he had decided not to sell. Quote, I apologize for any inconvenience this may cause you. I'm 80 years old and had major surgery that lasted six hours, six days prior to signing the document, the contract. I was under the influence of heavy pain medication. In response, Perry and Orlando Bloom. What? Yeah, it's their, their uh, couple. They're an item. Oh, my God. Uh, they wrote a letter to Westcott saying they were excited to raise their child in the home. Westcott reiterated that he didn't want to sell, and with a, within a month, both parties had sued. Mm. This you hate to see a lawsuit. You hate to see a lawsuit, but you also hate to see this. Oh my! Westcott attempted suicide in 2021 and has been too ill to attend the trial. Said his sons, who are now managing the case for him, they say he is on his deathbed. Oh my lord! They are seeking not just to honor his wish to die in Montecito, but to clear his name. 
It is unclear whether either Perry or Westcott will live in the Montecito house once it's once the court case is over. Sounds Something like Westcott's, tells, Westcott's not living uh, in this house. Like he's not gonna make it too much longer. No. Why don't you just wait for him to die and then take it over? That could be a possibility. In fact, she, they should all just move in together. He loves drugs and parties and rock stars. I'm sure Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry yeah. love the same. He's just going to be sitting in a bed whittling away for a couple of years. Big, big whoop. <laughs> yeah. It's a mansion. There's 50 rooms in it. Yeah. There's room for him, everybody in there. Just get let everybody him. in there. Yeah. Put the new Playboy move, mansion. Court and chart in. Have <laughs> <laughs> a little party. Chart. Well, dinner's ready. Yeah, but in 2021, Westcott moved into a residential managed care mental health facility and is now bedridden, Jesus said. Christ. Perry's newly purchased Montecito home, she bought another home in the meantime. Even though it's a tight market? Is a six-bedroom estate on nine acres with ocean views, according to the previous Oh, that's garbage. No, you don't want that. The singer has filed for a number of building permits to renovate the property. Meanwhile, (laughs) starting in August 2021, Perry rented another property in the area for $75,000 a month. Garbage. Her lawyer said in court documents. See, she has to... Resort to these second-rate piece-of-shit oceanfront properties. <laughs> only have six rooms in them. Yeah. And all she wants is the coveted Montecito res- mansion. Yeah. And, and, you know, through no fault of her own, the, the, the Perry body count keeps getting higher. <laughs> yeah, she killed a nun. Now she, she killed a nun. Now she's going to kill an old guy with Huntington's an disease. An old millionaire, yeah. An old cool millionaire Self-made who's partying up in his last veteran millionaire. Years where he shuffles off this mortar coil. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I say, yeah. Now he's, he's this, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have tried to kill himself had this not been the case. He would have lived out the rest of his glory days in the beautiful why would a Montecito guy, estate. Why would a guy who has Huntington's disease, who's renting helicopters at three in the morning to go to EDM concerts, have any desire to kill himself? <laughs> I his, wouldn't even cross my his mind. beautiful 30 year old Latina <laughs> girlfriend. His 13 year old Latina <laughs> girlfriend, who, by the way, is a world class 10. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he have any impulse to pull that that airline ignition down to yeah. nothing? I don't know. Maybe he wants to go out on top. Well, do I have the airline company for him? <laughs> <laughs> no great way to go. <laughs> well, that's crazy. I'm sorry that that's happening to Katy Perry. I'm sorry that she's... You know, it's sad because she, all she wants is a nice place to raise her kid somewhere with space. Yeah. Not a six-bedroom oceanfront property. No, a real place with space to raise her child with Orlando Bloom. And she's had to knock out a couple nuns, a couple old guys. And uh, it's just, it's a shame. So I hope she gets it. Me too. We're all, we're, I think we're all praying for it. <laughs> praying for it. Now, that was a harrowing tale. Uh oh. Okay, sorry. Technical difficulty, and we are back. We're back. <laughs> we're back. And uh, anyway, I just saying, um, can't imagine going through anything that difficult like Katy, Katy Perry is going through. Um, no. There are people, and this is our last story, who are on the front lines of a U.S. mental health crisis. Mm. But again, I would just like to reiterate, this pales in comparison <laughs> to, what, to what Katy Perry and Carl Westcott are, are going through. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's from the Wall Street Journal. No. Libraries, Trent, mm. are on the front lines of U.S.'s mental health crisis. Staffers sometimes Jeez. face violence as they are troubled... As, as aid-troubled patrons offer social services. God. Yeah, so this is from West Virginia. When Michael Baer started working as a library assistant, he thought he would be helping with term papers or leading a book club. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, guess again. <laughs> book clubs are out. <laughs> book clubs are out. <laughs> and uh, our libraries are not what you remember them, Trent. Instead, he spends most of the time assisting patrons in crisis with nowhere else to go. Quote, they just want someone to talk to, said Bear, 37, who has worked for four years the library in a city of 46,000 people on the Ohio River. Wow. Um, one of the few indoor public spaces open to all comers, libraries, <laughs> are now the scene for all that ails the public scarred by the pandemic God and an opioid damn, epidemic. For staff, that means reversing overdoses in bathrooms, oh my God. confronting patrons watching pornography. <laughs> Or defending against people brandishing guns. Jesus Christ. Or a snake in a jar. I think a that, snake in a jar? What yeah, the fuck know. is that? I mean? don't know. Some people come to the library to sleep, get warm, or use the bathroom. Others are looking for jobs, housing, or just somewhere safe to read. 
Somewhere doesn't sound like it's very safe. Somewhere safe to uh, this is not a place for reading no. <laughs> anymore. Quote, they don't have anywhere else to go, but they, they don't trust other places. I love being that place. But after a while, it's taxing and wearing on you, said Kevin King, head of community engagement at Kalamazoo Public Library in Michigan. Six years ago, fewer than two dozen libraries in North America employed full-time social workers, said Sarah Johnson, a licensed social worker, adjunct lecturer at the University of Illinois, uh, Urbana-Champaign. Today, more than 100 employ social workers and more have social worker interns, she said. Jeez. A rise in the methamphetamine in Huntington's uh, illicit drug supply has worsened some people's mental distress. City agencies are so overburdened that it can take a month to get a person who is struggling on the streets and voluntary committed to a hospital. Quote, our community is trying to do something. So Brenda Bowen, director of Campbell Huntington Public Library. So I thought we'd just end on kind of a kind of, a, kind of an uplifting. Yeah, no comment. Let's just end it there. <laughs> All uh, right. <laughs> that's wild, Joe. It's crazy. You, yeah. You, you, these are like small towns. Yes. You you expect that in New York? You know, you hear about like people, homeless people hanging out of the library or whatever. That's to be expected. Well, but in New York, and there's places there's much more resources for these people to go there's places there's more community activism and inner city whatever shit sure that's true but in a small town you in might small- just have the library that's true i never considered that what's a public space where you go and it's warm and that you can pretty much push the staff over it's not like the dmv yeah they'll be like get the fuck out of right. here it's a bunch of old ladies yeah and they go yeah. well you can i have some pie yeah. in the fridge <laughs> and they come yeah. in there they go in there they fucking Get a they fucking needle they, full in the bathroom. And they unzip their pants. And they jerk off. They start jacking off. <laughs> start jacking off. Wow. You can do whatever you want there. That's wild. Now, as a young boy, I used to love going to the library. The library. It's great. I used to go to the Trafalgar Library okay. in Indiana. And there's two old ladies working there. Yeah. And there wasn't a home unhoused person in sight. No. <laughs> the, 20, 30 years ago, the last place you would go if you were on the street is a... A library. A library. I mean, that's boring. Books. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah, but uh, but now these people are com- they're competing in the summer reading program. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess you know, and I think a lot of it is like these people that work at the libraries want to help these people, like that guy said. Yeah. But it's just like a lot. It's a you lot. Know, it's a they're lot. Not trained for it. They they they're they not trained ha- for it. No, they're not trained for it. They spent half their life learning the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> they didn't learn about about how to triage. Uh, yeah, yeah. They figured Dewey Decimal yeah. System. They so I'm I'm good at writing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at writing. I the job would help me. <laughs> yeah. The job would help me. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I want to work. And then and that's the one job where they go. Great cover letter. <laughs> Come on in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now they have to. They're essentially. Oh, they're wiping their last sixty-five year old ass. They're yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Wow, that's crazy. Well, we we hope they the the libraries get get it together. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, no one goes to the library to read anymore because you just look shit up on your phone, and nobody reads anymore. And nobody reads anymore. I like a nice. Paper back book. <laughs> Me too. A nice Kindle. It's for late. It's for girls. The Kindle. Now I, uh, you know, even if I should come on hard times, will not be going back to the library because I still owe the Johnson County Library untold sums of money for a biography on George Washington Carver that I never returned. Really? And in fact, stayed on a shelf in my childhood home that was later bulldozed to the ground. <laughs> and so if I wanted to find the book to return it, I'd have to dig. I'd have to first tear down a old folks home they built in the place of my childhood. Oh, home, really? And then dig deep under the ground to see if there's any remnants of the book left. Wow. But the Johnson County Library, they don't really have a whole lot of sympathy for my story. No. They go, now, you're from Johnson County. Kansas. That's what it's called, though. The county's Johnson sure, County. Sure, yeah. I'm from Johnson County, Indiana. Oh, really? Is yeah. Right? Wow. So, <laughs> Put it nice there. to meet you. What a clammy handshake. <laughs> what a clammy I handshake. It's not <laughs> out of nerves. It's just my hands are sweaty. Well, nothing I can do about it. Nothing you can do about it, but I've, with a little bit of training, maybe a few college courses on <laughs> looking people in the eye. I should have gone to college. Yeah. But... but 
what can you do now? It's too late. I have to do this until I try to off myself at 80 years old when I have Huntington's disease. Yeah, and Katy Perry's coming for your fucking home. <laughs> coming for everything. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Yeah. I'll end don't up worry, at the fucking local library. It, well, if you do, uh, don't worry. I'm tracking your every movement. <laughs> so just yeah. in case, I Thank know exactly God. where to Thank go. God. Yeah, but folks, <laughs> that has been this episode of Echo Chamber. Thank you for listening. As always... Follow Trit and I wherever you can find us on Instagram, on all the other shit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And right, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends, your comrades. Uh, that's it. It's a great way to get the news without reading. Exactly. And we report the news 100% truth. And like, we give nice, steady commentary. Exactly. On all of it. Well, that's Tell it. Tell us what you think of the map if you watched on YouTube, right? <laughs> and leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the map. That's it. That's the show. As always, this is Trent Mabry signing off. <laughs> and this is Joe Nunnick t- tuning out. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>